The Reserve Bank makes it clear that there are more rate rises on the horizon after lifting for the ninth successive month. Australia's biggest toll road group confirms there's more cars on the road now than before the pandemic, and why one episode of The Simpsons will be pulled from streaming in Hong Kong. It's Wednesday, the 8th of February, 2023. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. Massive show today. We've got to jump right into it. So much going on this morning. There is a lot and definitely stick around for your interview with Gareth Aird, Head of Australian Economics at Commonwealth Bank. It's coming up after the show. Always fantastic to talk to him after the Reserve Bank meets. Yep, sure is. And he's very forthright in what he thinks. Absolutely, because that is the main story this morning. The Reserve Bank has made it clear that there are more interest rate hikes in the offing after lifting the official cash rate, Sean, for the ninth successive time. Yes, the official cash rate is now 3.35%. Less than a year ago, it was 0.1% with little prospect of rising. That means standard variable lending rates on home loans are in the 6 to 7% range. Now, another way of thinking about it, someone paying off a 25-year loan worth $750,000 is paying about $1,360 more per month than they were last April. Ouch. Governor Philip Lowe said the bank is committed to ensuring the current period of inflation is only temporary, meaning further increases in interest rates are needed in coming months. He said the central bank will be keeping a close watch on the global economy, household spending and the outlook for inflation and labour markets. Uh, Sean, what about all this talk of last year's interest rate hikes only hitting households this year and, and the need for only one or two more rate hikes this cycle? Yes. Yeah. Very good question. Now, look, it's clear that to the Reserve Bank, inflation is the worst of all economic evils. And that is what Dr. Lowe and his team want to sort out, even if it risks a recession. There is a chance of a recession, particularly as the full impact of last year's rate hikes kick in. And the fact that in the Reserve Bank's own numbers says it's in the high 800,000s, the number of people going from a fixed rate to a variable rate mortgage over the next couple of years. Now, yesterday, the governor said the path to achieving a soft landing remains a narrow one. Later this week, he'll provide more information on exactly how he thinks the economy is travelling, but certainly the mood changed yesterday. Now, Sean, if I was to summarise the, the general reaction to the increase yesterday, there wasn't much love for it. Ah, well put. I think that's right. Now, let's start with investors. There was a fair spike in bond yields, which suggests fixed income investors think there are more rate rises on the way after yesterday's announcement. The Aussie dollar also rose against the US unit. Treasury Jim Chalmers said the government understood the pressure from rising interest rates and had a plan to deal with it, then blamed the previous government for causing everything. Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry Chief Executive Andrew McKellar says he's concerned the rate rises will slow down economic activity. He also urged businesses not to overreact. The fear there is that business investment will diminish. We don't want that. The Australian Council of Trade Unions said the Reserve Bank's rate rises risk pushing the economy off a cliff it called for a pause in further increases, and they have an argument there as well. So, Michael, you're pretty right. There wasn't much love around. I, I do uh, admire Treasurer Jim Chalmers for blaming the previous government. Is there a point at which 
a previous government can stop being blamed for things because we're, we're approaching kind of 12 months, what, what nine, ten, nine months on from a, the federal election. Is there a point at which you just have to go, you know what, this is the situation, we're going to deal with it from here? Yeah, you'd hope so. I mean, the previous government, well, the Reserve Bank cut interest rates, but we had COVID. So, like, that's an extreme situation too. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we won't get political. Now, we said not much love around broadly. How did local markets respond? Well, it was, the S&P ASX 200 was doing pretty well. And then it fell about half a percent immediately after the announcement. It f- kept falling and it finished the day down about half a percent to 7,504 points. Bank stocks are particularly susceptible to changes in interest rates. And three of the big four ended lower yesterday, Commonwealth Bank, National Australia Bank and Westpac. Theoretically, higher interest rates should actually help net interest margins of banks, but fears of a recession triggering more bad debts seems to be outweighing that first issue in terms of investor sentiment at the moment. Property companies, they're another group who tend to be hit hard by higher interest rates. That's because they carry a lot of debt. Goodman Group yesterday, for example, dropped 2.3%. The iron ore miners were mixed while the retailers got hit hard. Wes Farmers, Woolworths, Coles, they were all off around 1%. Tech stocks didn't do so well either. It was actually a better day, though, for the coal miners, Whitehaven, New Hope. Their share prices have been hurt by falling coal prices. Yesterday, they're among the best performers. Now, obviously, the, the focus is very much on local markets at the moment, Sean, but what's happening internationally? Well, Wall Street was a bit off yesterday with tech stocks leading the slide in commodities. Brent crude is back up to nearly 82 US dollars a barrel. Gold's also a touch higher, as are many of the cryptocurrencies. All right, there is a bit on. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean Macquarie Group has hinted at expanding via acquisition, saying it has plenty of cash on hand, about $12.5 billion is available, and it expects its full-year result to be better than last year. Imagine having $12.5 billion in the bank. (laughs) Just ready for any acquisitions that might kind of come along. So the chief executive, Shamara Wickramanayaka, yesterday said the group's well-placed to capitalise on volatility in markets and said three areas she's interested in expanding in are commodities and global markets, the funds management business, and banking and financial services. Now, Shamara Wickramanayaka, and notice I said her name twice because I can say it, so I like doing that. Shamara is a conservative banker. She doesn't say that sort of thing unless they're thinking about it. And in fact, yesterday there was speculation around that Macquarie could consider buying a smaller bank in Australia. Now, it's only speculation. I've got to emphasise that. But just the fact that the chief executive came out and talked about it just shows that they are on the lookout for acquisitions. Macquarie has become a powerhouse investment bank and certainly one of the most successful local companies on the world stage. While the deal making has come off a bit, or it did over the past six months, its commodity and energy businesses alongside rising interest rates means that after three quarters of its financial year, it's on track to beat last year. Macquarie share price finished the day up about 1%. Remember, that's in a wheat market. Sean, Australia's biggest toll road operator, Transurban, needs a new CEO after boss Scott Charlton said he'll step down, having just delivered record first half earnings. Yeah, Scott Charlton sort of is synonymous with toll roads in Australia. He's just been around for a long time. And yesterday he called at time after 11 years in the job, saying he will see out this year, but it was time for change. Now, Transurban owns roads in Australia and North America. And Michael told something yesterday that we already knew. Mm. Traffic is back 
and tolls are up. <laughs> yeah. Good for shareholders. Not so much for commuters, I've got to say. No, I can't imagine there's too many people outside of shareholders that are happy to hear that. Yes. Now, the company said traffic flows are up 5.6% compared to 2019. So this is a six-month period of 2022 compared to three years earlier, which, of course, was ahead of the COVID. The rebound is more pronounced in Sydney rather than Melbourne. Now, overall, you put that into the uh, Mixmaster and earnings were more than 50% higher than a year earlier. The group also increased its dividend, but there are more traffic jams out there. I love it when you put things into the Mixmaster, uh, Sean. You'd pick that up. Yeah, it's, just, it's just such a fantastic image. You just mm. kind of shoving toll roads into a Mixmaster. Yeah. It's, like, it's mm. just, it paints. You know what I would love to see? I'd love to see someone do a cartoon of that. Ah, like that you would see in the Financial Review or in the um, yes in the Australian or the the City Morning Herald or the Age, just mm. Sean Sean Aylmer feeding toll roads into a mixmaster. Now, Sean, the other big news yesterday was Newmont's twenty four billion dollar bid for Newcrest Mining. The other large gold miner touted as a potential bidder for Newcrest ruled themselves out. Barrick Gold, which is second in terms of size behind Newmont, said it's unlikely to challenge the Newmont offer. Barrick Chief Executive Mark Bristow said a deal doesn't make sense right now, adding there is a difference between value merger acquisitions and getting bigger for the sake of getting bigger, according to the Financial Review. I don't think that was a compliment somehow, Michael. No, I don't think so. <laughs> it was quite funny. The other big North American gold miner with the scale to compete for Newcrest is Agnico Eagle, which owns Bendigo's Fosterville Mine. Now, Agnico isn't saying anything at the moment. At the moment, it's acquiring part of Canada's Yamana Gold, so I suspect the timing would be tricky for that. Shareholders, of course, love having two parties bidding for their company, but at this point, it looks like only Newmont is bidding for Newcrest. Sean, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese met with his New Zealand counterpart, Chris Hipkins, in Canberra yesterday, and Albo gifted Hipkins some of his favourite Aussie records. Hmm, it was the New Zealand Prime Minister's first overseas visit since taking the job a fortnight ago, and he's walking away with records by Thelma Plum, Alex the Astronaut, and Gang of Youths. Now, I do know them. And uh, there's a lot of angst in those ones. I'm not getting abused, I'm not so sure, but Thelma Plum and Alex the Astronaut, there is a lot of angst. You know what you should do? I mean, we, we can claim the BGs as Australian because of the amount of time they spent here growing up. You would just gift everyone a BGs album, wouldn't you? Mm. <laughs> uh, Michael, you are showing your horrendous taste in music here. Please move on, Sean. Mm. Well, there was a serious side to the meeting. The two leaders discussed climate and security cooperation. Hipkins said China will continue to be an important trading partner for New Zealand, but the Kiwis will stand up to Beijing when needed. Otherwise, in federal politics, the coalition said it will oppose the government's bill to set up the machinery for the voice referendum unless key amendments are supported by parliament seemingly further mudding the waters on that one. The Greens have said they will support the referendum and Australia will give $10 million in humanitarian assistance to support people affected by the recent earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. Yeah, and more on that one in a moment. There was other economic news around yesterday as well, Sean, apart from the rate rise. Bureau of Statistics figures show that Australia in 2022 
recorded a fifth straight year of trade surpluses. That's right, and it could be getting better given Beijing and Canberra are talking to each other again and China's dropped its zero tolerance policy for COVID. Now in December, the trade surplus came in at $12.2 billion. We've been running surpluses since January 2018. Incredible. Sales of iron ore, gas, coal and other commodities have been the bedrock of that run of surpluses. And when we talk about the lucky country, we talk about it in many different aspects, but certainly economically, the fact that we have an abundance of resources means we really are a lucky country. And there's a bit of good news as well, Sean, from health insurers. They've delayed raising premiums after agreeing to a below inflation increase, making good on their promises not to profit from the pandemic. Actually, a couple of months ago, Jackie, my partner, said, I just got a check from her health insurer. It was like $260. It, I mean, many listeners may well have received checks in the mail in the last few months. You don't sort of get that from insurance companies very much, but basically the insurer's have agreed to return surpluses over the past six months. During COVID, members made far fewer insurance claims, primarily because you just couldn't get access to treatment. And so the insurers had all this money. They said, we're not going to profit from it. So they've sent out checks and reduced premiums. Pretty cool, I reckon. Australia's biggest health insurer, Medibank, says it'll delay increases for two months. NIB Holdings won't lift its fees till September. Bupa said it will delay increasing its premiums until July. Now, NIB said Health Minister Mark Butler approved average increases of 2.9% from 1 April, which is well below the average rise of 4.4% and one of the lowest increases in decades. So next time you're complaining about paying insurance, just have a look at your health insurer. They might have done the right thing by you. Hopefully so. Moving on to overseas news, and Sean, we mentioned previously the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. The number of deaths following that quake earlier this week in the region has topped 4,000 and is expected to keep climbing. It is a human tragedy. Rescuers are working in freezing conditions to try and find survivors. Teams from Romania, Switzerland, Azerbaijan and Lebanon are in Turkey to help out. Now, millions of people in the two countries are without power, while it's estimated tens of thousands of buildings have been damaged. In Turkey, more than 330,000 quake victims have been moved into hostels and university campuses. Of course, the first earthquake in southern Turkey measured 7.7 on the Richter scale. Then there was another one nine hours later that measured 7.6 on the Richter scale with a very similar epicentre. It's very sad. Yeah, as you say, a human tragedy. Sean, the ridiculously popular AI chatbot, ChatGPT, that everybody's been talking about it lately, is about to get a new serious competitor with Google unveiling its software, nicknamed Bard. Have you had a play with ChatGPT? I went to log into it the other day because I thought, you know what, it, it, it actually sounds like a lot of fun. Now, you know, I run a little... On the side, I run a little writing business and my partner, a guy called Simon Anderson, has been playing around with ChatGPT because we want to make sure we continue to have a job and it is amazing what it can do. Yeah, and you realise he doesn't need a partner anymore. That's right. Anyway, we've gone our own ways and that'll be good. Now, (laughs) I mean, it's kind of not there yet, but when you see how good it is, you think it's only a matter matter of time before really simple stories will be done 
by chatbots. Incredible. Yeah. yeah, it does kind of look like it could replace, from everything that I've seen, it looks like it could replace a lot of the really kind of basic stuff and maybe allow people to focus on kind of higher value tasks potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're really interested, in, check out a story by Peter Harcher, the journalist in the Sydney Morning Herald, and I'm going to get it wrong and I apologise to Peter for this, but he was it was the, the US ambassador to Australia. I may have that wrong, but certainly a US official who was just talking about it and had put some of his kids' homework into chat GPT to create a story kind of like Shakespeare would write it. And Peter repeats this story, unbelievable. Like it's just wow to be able to do that. Yeah, the, the headline on that story is, is time is running out to subdue AI's overwhelming power. It is definitely worth a read. Uh, it's fascinating. Anyway, Google has decided it wants to take on ChatGPT. Of course, ChatGPT at the moment is being used to generate everything from essays to songs, news articles, etc. It was created by AI startup OpenAI. Now, it's received billions of dollars worth of investment from Microsoft. According to The Australian, Google has bought in founders Larry Page and Sergey Brin so as they can help refine the tech giant's AI strategy as the competition heats up. The Google boss described the tool as experimental conversational AI service. Maybe, but I think they could well change the world in not too many years. And finally, Sean, one that I mentioned at the top of the show, Walt Disney has removed an episode of The Simpsons that refers to forced labour camps in China from its streaming service in Hong Kong. Yes, the episode is from the cartoon's latest series, according to a report in the Financial Times. It's the second time Disney Plus has pulled an episode in the Asian Financial Centre because of sensitivities around China. Now, back in 2021, it cut an episode of The Simpsons that mentioned the 1989 Tiananmen Square crackdown. Hong Kong has a film censorship law that bans content contrary to the interests laid out in the national security law. I think that media are now taking that a little bit more seriously. Western companies are increasingly modifying content that could cause offence or impact their businesses in key markets like China. It's a very interesting trend to watch. Yeah, it certainly is. Now, up next is the Fear and Greed Daily interview with Gareth Aird, Head of Australian Economics at Commonwealth Bank. All about yesterday's rate hike and whether he thinks there needs to be another one. That's coming up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Wednesday, the 8th of February, 2023. Make sure you're following the podcast. Join us online on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to check out as well our sister podcast, How Do They Afford That? Today's episode is actually a great one for investors or for anyone that you know that might be looking to get into investing in shares. It's basically a 101 on how to do it. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day. <laughs>